0: Here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Amazing time of worship. As I was singing, I was thinking of some scriptures. You know, there's one passage where it gives instructions on worship, how we should worship. And then one of the reasons is kind of bizarre. It says because of the angels and sometimes the moment's holy because God's there. But also often angels show up without us even knowing it. Did you know that I was telling my, my kids we were doing a devotional one day and I was like, always remember to be kind to strangers because the book of Hebrews says sometimes you entertain angels with what? Without even knowing it. So I just want to welcome you to Arden. If you're new here, we want you to fill it right at home. We like to say this is a place where you can belong, believe, and become. Our mission here is to lead ordinary people into what? Extraordinary life in Christ. We want to welcome those watching online. Let's pray over God's word as we prepare our hearts. Father, thank you so much for just the amazing time of worship. We were able to sing some old songs, some a hymn along with some new songs. And God, with all that, we just lift you up. And Father, we pray that your presence would just be, we know it's here. We pray that it would be experienced. And Lord, as we read your word, we pray that your blessing would be upon your word and that you would speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Acts 21 Today we're finishing up our Be Bold series. Next week we're going to start a new series as we go through Acts. The new series is going to be called Let's Change the World. So I encourage you to bring your friend next week and um, it's going to be exciting. So as you turn to Acts 21, I'm just wondering, have any of you ever been misunderstood before? How many of you had a misunderstanding today, this week? All right. You know, life is full of misunderstandings. And today we're going to talk about an interesting passage from the life of the Apostle Paul. As we go through Acts verse by verse, for those of you who are new with us, we've been in Acts for a year. We've probably got about six months left, and then we'll work through another book of the Bible. We like to go through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But um, as as we look at this passage today, you're going to see Paul was not only misunderstood, but he was lied about. Anybody ever been lied about? There were rumors circulating about Paul, but... I wanted to bring up some church signs that may have the potential to be misunderstanding or at least misleading. Here's one. Have trouble sleeping? Try one of our sermons. Don't let your worries kill you. Let the church help. Clown-led worship. Now that's just that just seems wrong. All right. Do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. Now, I've actually seen this locally in Asheville. This is near the Asheville Alliance. A church that actually has this. If your life stinks, we have a pew for you. Our church is like fudge, sweet with a few nuts. I hate this church, Satan. What happens in Vegas is forgiven here. And last but not least, Adam and Eve, the first people not to read the Apple terms and conditions. <laughs> That's good. So today we're going to read a lengthy passage. I encourage you to hang with me. It's about 20 verses or so. We're going to read it and as our custom is, we're going to make direct application to your life. We're going to see Paul in a situation where he was greatly misunderstood. And we're going to see what he did about it. So starting in verse 15, and again, welcome to those watching online. After those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Notice we, this is the we section of Acts. This means Dr. Luke is with Paul, the apostle and the team. Verse 16, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went up with us and brought with them a certain nascent of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went with us to see James and all the elders were present. So verse 18, before we go to verse 19, this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. This is James who became a leader at the church of Jerusalem. This is James who wrote the book of James. So he's got the elders and Paul is going to talk to them. Verse 19, when he had greeted, when we had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said, you see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed and they are all zealous for the law. But someone say, but. Isn't it nice when you get a compliment and then someone says, but, yeah. all right, but they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who were among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying they ought not to circumcise their children nor walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet for they will hear that you have come. Have you ever met somebody? They give you a compliment and then they say something like, we need to have a talk. Isn't that awkward? Like, you know, we need to meet. It's like, oh, So Paul gets this warm welcome and then there's a but and then there's we need to have a meeting, Paul. So verse 23, therefore, do what we tell you. So no option there. Paul, we need you to do this. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which... They were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you also walk orderly and keep the law. So before we go to verse 25, you may be thinking, what's going on here? Most likely this is the Nazarite vow these four men are wanting to fulfill. And so the traditional Jewish people are kind of testing, like, Paul, are you throwing away the Old Testament? What are you trying to teach the people? So verse 25 continues, but concerning the Gentiles who believe... We have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Verse 26, then Paul took them in and the next day, having been purified with them, he entered the temple to announce the expiration of those days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each of them. Now, you think everything's going according to plan. Paul is doing this. It's not a salvation issue. It's it's kind of like, are you going to connect with these traditional Jewish believers? Are you not? So Paul goes along with them, and you think that things would go well, but they don't. Look at verse 27. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. Now look at verse 29. It's a parenthesis. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian within the city whom they supposed that Paul had brought in the temple. You may want to underline the word supposed. That means assumed. They assumed. Verse 30, and all the city was disturbed and the people ran together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. Now, as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in the up in the uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And they when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came near and took him. And commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked him who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he had reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people followed out, crying out, away with him. May God bless his word. So you look at this passage And you see a man that is grossly misunderstood, a man that everywhere he goes, many of the places he gets kicked out of the city, he gets thrown into prison, and people want to kill him. So when I said at the beginning, have you ever been misunderstood, how many of you ever been misunderstood to the point people want to kill you? Maybe a few of you, right? So today we're going to look at this passage, and I want to give you six powerful action steps. If, 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 and when you're misunderstood, we're going to look at Paul's life and then we're going to draw the application bridge to you in the year 2022 or 2030, whenever you're watching this in the future. So number one, don't let discouragement derail you from your destiny. Don't let discouragement derail you from your destiny. So when you look at Paul's life, he was a man that he could have let discouragement derail him. He had if you look at previous chapters, there was a great uproar in the city of Ephesus. And you remember, they wanted to kill him then. They're like, don't even go into the, the temple of Artemis because they want to kill you. All right? So Paul could have let discouragement hinder him, but he didn't. And some of you may find that hard to relate to because how many of you love to throw pity parties and invite all your friends when a life doesn't go well? I know I can be that way. So I want, to, I want to give you a, a gentleman, and let's throw his picture on the screen, Archie Williams. Anybody seen this guy before? He was on the show, America's Got Talent. What's interesting about Archie Williams is when he was 22 years old, he got arrested for a crime he did not commit. And even though all of his family testified that he was sleeping when he got accused of this crime, his mom, his siblings, they said he didn't do it, there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. So he spent 37 years in prison. And how he got released was when DNA evidence came about and the state of Louisiana allowed this evidence to be brought forth, his DNA was not found on the crime scene, so Archie Williams got released. But something Archie said is, I'm never going to let my mind be in prison. Even though I'm in prison falsely, my mind cannot be bound. So he stood up in America's Got Talent, and he blew the audience away not only with his song, but with his story and what Archie teaches us, just like Paul, is that you cannot let discouragement in your life derail you from your destiny. God's got a plan. Satan's going to try to thwart it, but you have to be faithful to what God's calling you to do. Amen. So does your life ever seem like you go from one uproar to the next? You go from one drama to the next, you know, you solve a problem and guess what? The next day there's a bigger problem. Anybody there? Here's what Paul says in Romans 5. Let's throw this up on the screen. How do we not let discouragement derail us? Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings. And you're like, Paul, are you kidding me? When there's drama, when there's discouragement, when I'm disappointed, I I should rejoice? How? He says suffering produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance is like a stick-to-it-ness. You ever met somebody that just will not give up? I want to give you a little image. It's like a, a pit bulldog grabbing a dish rag and you're trying to jerk the dish rag out. That's perseverance. It's like you're not going to give up. And when perseverance develops, it develops character. And character hope. So if you need hope in order to cope with the discouraging situations of your life, the Bible says God allows suffering. Sufferings are allowed in your life to help you grow. They're not meant to destroy you, but sufferings meant to develop you. So I want to encourage you in your life to realize that God can use all things. So knowing that God fully understands me gives me peace in a world that often misunderstands me. All right, second principle. What do you do when people misunderstand you? Number two, and this may be one of the most practical points, stay connected to Christian community even when you don't always fit in. How many of you have ever moved to a new town, went to a new school, a new church, and the, everyone was just weird? Like, you didn't fit in. Anybody there? Some of you are like, I'm there right now. So Some of my friends that have moved from up north and other places, that moved down to the south, and they're like, you guys sugarcoat everything. Just tell me what you really think. How many of you experienced that with Southern Hospital? Tell me what you think. Stop sugarcoating. And then some of you from other places that don't sugarcoat, you hurt my feelings because you speak too directly. I mean, it's like there's so much, so many misunderstandings. When you look back in verse 17, go back to verse 17, your scripture passage. It says, when he had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went to James and all the elders were present. So do you think Paul fit in naturally with people around him or do you think he had a hard time? Let's just rewind the tape. Did Paul have any conflict with Peter? Yeah, you see, Paul and Peter, Paul rebuked Peter because at one point he didn't eat with the Gentiles and Paul said that's being hypocritical. Did Paul have conflicts with anybody else? You remember Barnabas? He wanted to take John Mark along with him. And Paul was like, listen, that guy wigged out on the first missionary journey. We're not going to take him back. And you just go through, read the book of Galatians. Paul has a conflict with the Judaizers. The Judaizers are a group of people that teach Jesus plus the law equals salvation, and Paul said, no, no. It's Jesus alone, not Jesus plus something. So Paul, all of his life, had conflicts, but yet, you notice he still goes to Christian community. He stays in the house of an early disciple. He meets with the church. How many of us, of you and myself, that when we get hurt, we have a tendency to isolate? We get hurt at a church, guess what we do? I'm not going back to another church again. Can I ask you a question? How many of you have ever gotten food poisoning at a restaurant before? Raise your hand. Did you stop going out to eat? <laughs> or did you just go to a different restaurant? A lot of times in, in, in Christian community, we get hurt or we don't fit in. And we're just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to do church on my own. Church is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. So on your listening guide, I want you to look down. i got five tips For helping you to stay connected to Christian community even when you don't fit in. Maybe you move to a new city, you don't fit in. You try a new small group, you don't fit in. Everybody's weird except you, you don't fit in, right? So how do you do it? These are very practical points. Number one, be yourself. You're going to have the tendency to try to be somebody else. But you know that God only anoints the authentic self. You can't try to be somebody else. There's not another you on planet Earth, so stop trying to be someone else. Even if you don't fit in, still be yourself. Second application, be kind. It's easy to get a little disgruntled, a little bitter, a little negative. These people just don't get me. But listen, be kind. Be kind anyways, even to the people that don't understand you. Number three, be curious. Curiosity is an interesting trait when you're interested in others. My father-in-law, uh, Brother John, who's now in heaven, many of you knew him. He was curious. Everyone he met, he would ask questions. He said, Timothy, I can learn from the garbage man as well as the CEO of a company. Everyone has something to teach me. And that's something that I, I take with me today, curiosity. So when you're in a church, when you're in a small group, when you're in a business setting, when you're meeting a new social group, be curious. Get good at asking questions. Number four, be generous. How many of you like stingy people? said nobody ever, right? Except Scrooge, right? (laughs) Be generous. Like when you show up, be there to give a lot of times when we go to a new place, we're thinking, what can I get out of this church or this group? You know, the biblical thing is what can I give? Jesus said, it's more blessed to do what it's more blessed to give than to receive. And number five, be humble. How many of you enjoy being around narcissistical people? How many of you enjoy where the conversation always ends up about that person? You tell about your trip and they said, oh, yeah, I went to you fill in the blank. (laughs) And it's like you're like, well, I don't struggle with with being prideful, Timothy. You think? Let me let me give you a little question. Whenever someone takes a group picture cheese. who's the first person you look at? And if you don't like what you see about yourself do you ever ask them to delete the picture, even though everyone else in the group looks good? You're the only one that doesn't look good. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, it's true. We're, we're naturally focused on ourselves. But if you want to connect with the community, you've got to learn to put yourself aside. Now, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often, right? So think about others. And I'll give you a bonus. This is number six, not on your thing, but it takes time. It takes T-I-M-E. A lot of times when you're into a church community, you've got a lot of new people. They're like, you know, no one said hello. I went to a group. No one connected. Well, it takes time. We live in a pop-top, Ziploc, microwave generation. where We want everything instantaneously. But how many of you know relationships don't work instantaneously? They take time. They take a lot of time in the same way it is with your church community. So here's the thing, even when you don't fit in, even when people misunderstand you, keep trying. Look at the Apostle Paul, this guy's getting kicked out, except for Antioch and a few other sweet spots. Almost everywhere he gets kicked out. But does he leave the Christian community or does he keep going to Christian community? He's always surrounded by believers, even when he doesn't always fit in. Alright, third powerful action of a misunderstood person. Number three, keep on declaring God's goodness even when you know trials and trouble await you. Keep on declaring God's goodness. So look back in your Bible at verse 19. It says, When he had greeted them, he told in detail, someone say detail, the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So, you know, after a tough third missionary journey, Paul could have thrown a pity party and had some wine and cheese, right? He could have thrown this big pity party And you know what? They kicked me out of this city. They tried to kill me. Here I got stoned. But you know what he did? He said, God is good. You know what he did? He said, here's what God has done through my ministry. Now, can I tell you a little secret about pastors? Not all pastors, but many pastors, when you get them together, one of the things we talk about, you want to hear what it is? What's that? (laughs) What what we've done, but also those disgruntled church members. (laughs) It's like, tell me your horror story. Will this happen in the deacon's ministry? And it's like, should we do that? Or should we be like Paul and declare all the goodness of God? It's so easy. It's so easy. And this is an encouragement for someone maybe here or watching online. Maybe you've been hurt in a ministry. Maybe, maybe you were leading a certain ministry, whether preaching or music or children or whatever, and now you're out because you've been hurt. Look at Paul. Does he ever quit when he gets hurt? Now, you may need time to heal. But God has called you to continue. Yeah, get the season of healing. Get the season, but never let it turn to bitterness. Never let it turn to bitterness. So here's the thing. In your life, when it comes to being misunderstood, and you guys, if you're not misunderstood now today, you will be misunderstood tomorrow. You've got two options that you have. The first option is you can react and become bitter. The second option is you can respond and become better. See, a reaction is an emotional response. To respond in a way that is detailed and oriented towards the gospel, it it takes purpose. So here's the thing. You can live by your emotions and react, or you can live by purpose and respond. If you live by your emotions, guess what? You're going to have more lows than your highs. But if you respond to the situation... When you consider it pure joy, as James tells us later on, when you face trials, whenever you realize that God is doing something in you, and so he's going to eventually do something through you. How many of you, and don't raise your hand with this, but how many of you have ever ever asked the question, why isn't God doing great things through me? You ever ask, why why isn't, I see God using people, I see people doing mission work, people helping out with youth, and I feel like I'm just frozen in this this state, and I, I want to be used by God. If you've ever asked that question, here's what you can learn from Paul. He reported of the things that God did through his ministry. But before God does something through you, he has to do something in you. So if you want God to do great things through you, you've got to get God to work greatly in you. And what that means is a surrendered life. God wants to do great things through you, but he has to first do great things in you. All right, you guys are tracking with me. So keep declaring God's goodness. Philippians 2.13, it says, God is the one who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So knowing that God understands me gives me peace in a world that often misunderstands me. All right. The fourth powerful action of a person who's misunderstood. And I know I'm talking to someone misunderstood today. Number four. Don't be surprised. When your good news is challenged by what? Bad news. So this past week, I want to thank you for allowing me to get away. It's good when your pastor can get away, get refreshed. This time I went away to Destin, Florida. And I went with my parents. I didn't take my kids because my wife can tell you when we take her kids, you're more tired. How many of you can testify? So here's the thing. I do a family vacation every year, but then I, I do some getaways. My wife and I sometimes and just me just getting away. Because here's the reality, you need time to recharge, amen? So I went away, and it was good, I think we got a picture of the place I was at. This is Destin Commons, anybody ever been there? It's a fun place. And I went before it was open, so there was no cars, and the only thing that was open was Starbucks. So you know me, i got to have my morning latte. So I went and I parked the car, I go to walk... And as I get my coffee, I come out of Starbucks, and I don't remember which way I came in. At you ever been there left, right? I, I'm thinking about the beach. I'm thinking about the green aqua water, just oh, white sand. I'm not paying attention to where I park. So all of a sudden, I get lost, and the temperature's heating up. My parents are back at the house waiting on me to go to the beach. And I'm, I'm embarrassed because I've lost the car, and I don't want to admit it. You ever been there? Like, I'm lost? So I, I shot a little video in the moment. We'll play that. I was stressed and a few things I didn't remember where I parked because I was focusing on other things and I didn't remember what my car looked like because it's a rental car you ever been there like I don't even know what my color car is it's like is it blue or silver or so I, I I got out the key fob and I shot a little video of what happens next All right. And then we got a picture of the car. It actually was silver. So uh, at least I think that's the color. So here's the thing. Life was good. Think about the beach and enjoying life. And then I got lost in paradise. I got lost. And like you look at Paul's life, it seems like, OK, bad situation. All right. Now the church is welcoming him and all is going well. But look what happens next. Verse 20. It says when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they gave him a compliment. You you see how God's moving. People are getting saved. Jews are getting saved. And then verse 21, it says, but (laughs) the good news, God's moving. Jews are getting saved. But look at the person next to you and say, but now I understand the sandwich method. We've talked about this before. When you're trying to give constructive critique, the sandwich method is a compliment, then the but, then a compliment. But if you're trying to give someone a compliment, the sandwich method is not very effective because if there's a big butt in the middle of that sandwich, you lose the compliment. Paul, Jews are getting saved. But it's kind of like you're an amazing husband. You're my dream come true. But you're a faithful wife. I could never meet anyone like you. But you are the best employee we have at this company. But you're doing a good job but you're the greatest student the school's ever seen, but you're my best friend, but what do you do when the big butts hit you? Like, it's just like things are good, but, and here's, here's the thing. Here's the bad news. It, it gets worse. If you look at it, the rumor mill is running over time. How many of you have heard, ever heard of fake news? Did you know fake news is nothing new? They started a fake news campaign against Paul back in the day. Kid you not. So here is their three accusations. Charge number one, Paul, you are telling Jewish Christians to throw away the Old Testament. Like Moses don't matter. Throw them away. Charge number two, you are personally opposed to the law yourself. You're not following the Jewish customs. Charge number three, you have desecrated the temple by bringing what in? A Gentile. So how do you respond when people misunderstand you and misrepresent you and they try to compliment you, but then they throw out the big. All right, let's look at point number five. We're getting there. I'm getting hot and sweaty like in Florida. Be willing to meet people where they are so that you can lead them to where God wants them to be. Look at verse 23. He says, therefore, do what we tell you. And then they go and explain that we have these four men that's taken this vow. And here's the thing. What does Paul do? Does Paul throw a big temper tantrum? It's Jesus only. We don't need the law. Does he like challenge their tradition? No, Paul goes along with them because this was not a salvation issue. Now, if this was a salvation issue, Paul would have laid down the hammer like he did in Galatians. But this was not a salvation issue. This was Paul trying to connect with the Jewish Christians in such a way that he respected their beliefs and convictions without overturning them completely. So why did Paul do that? Paul, was he under the law himself? No. Did he have to do it? No. Why did he do it? Well, he gives us the answer in 1 Corinthians 9. Let's throw this up. He says, Though I am free and belong no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. And listen to his strategy to the Jew. To the Jews, I become like a Jew. Why? Someone tell me. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law. Look at the next phrase. Though I myself am not under the law. Why? To win those under the law. To those not having a law, I become like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So that I may win those not having the law. Now here's the answer. Verse 22. To the weak, I become weak. Why? To win the week to those, he said, I've become all things to all people that all means possible. I might save some. Paul, why do you do this? He says, I do this for what sake sake of the gospel. So the question we have to ask yourself by application is there are certain things that you don't have to do. But are there certain things that if God leads you, you're willing to do? Are you willing to meet people where they're at in order to reach them? You know, what does this look like? Well, it may mean that if you're in downtown Asheville, you may have to have a science conversation with somebody that doesn't even believe in the Bible. Is that hard? Absolutely. But can you enter into that world? Can you talk about God being creator and how it makes sense that there's an intelligent designer? Can you do that? To those who are struggling, can you enter into their struggles? What about if someone has different traditions than you do? Can you enter into that? Now, one of the interesting things, a handful of you were here, but most of you don't know this, but several years ago, we used to have two different styles of service. And did you know that I change outfits between services? How many of you remember that? Why did I do that? Did I do that as a fashion statement? No, I did it because I was trying to reach two different audiences. I was trying to do in such a way that I could minister as many people as possible. Now, with COVID and changes, that's no longer necessary, thank the Lord. I don't have to wear a two-piece suit every week. But the reason why I did it is I'm trying to connect. And I think the application we can see from Paul is that he was willing to meet people where they were, not because he was under the law or he had to do it. It wasn't a salvation issue. He did it because he wanted to keep fellowship. Now, keep in mind, one of the things that we did not mention One of Paul's purposes in going to Jerusalem was to bring a what to the poor Christians? Anybody remember? An offering, right? So he was bringing an offering, and a second reason, his goal was to unite the church, Jew and Gentile, together. So he didn't want to do anything that would offend anyone to bring them together. So I'll give you an example. This is something we all have different convictions on. I personally don't drink, but if you were around someone that, like, had a conviction against it, should you drink in that person's presence? Because it's a stumbling block. You may have the freedom in Christ, obviously not to get drunk, but I do it just because I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody. So that's just an example. We have Christian conviction. Some of you have conviction, not to some of you. So, but never let your convictions get in the way of the gospel. Amen. Just just use principle there. So on your listening guide, the key principle is spend more time building bridges instead of burning them. And you'll be more effective in reaching people. So many times we want to hold on to our rights and all this. But last time I checked, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, guess what I did? I gave up all my rights, right? That means you call Jesus Lord. But somehow in American Christianity, we think when we give our lives to Jesus, we still retain our rights. But when you say Jesus is Lord, you're basically saying, I give up my rights. So you may have certain rights, but never let them get in the way of the gospel. And all God's people said... Amen and ouch. <laughs> All right. Finally, number six. How do I respond if I'm misunderstood? Number six. Expect the unexpected when you're doing God's work in a fallen world. So, in verses 27 through 36, what we see here is that there are some Jews from Asia that see Paul. And remember, Paul had just got out of a riot. Does anybody remember which city? You get extra credit if you remember this. Big riot ephesus right and ephesus was considered asia minor asia minor at the time so we don't know this but most likely these jews that saw paul may have just came out of the right of ephesus and they're like oh i remember that guy so what did they do they started stirring up the crowd and the crowd all of a sudden gets so angry they decided to lock the doors they, they decide to kill paul and guess what god rescues paul who does he use to rescue paul the local police authorities right and I want to take time to thank God for our police officers. Let's give them a hand. I heard, uh, I heard one pastor, he, he was doing a joking way. He said, I don't think Paul would be for defunding the police because they rescued him right there. So here's the thing. Expect the unexpected to happen in a fallen world. Because even when you're doing good, guess what? Satan counterattacks. And you don't want to, you don't want to know what happens next. Does anybody want to know? You have to come next week to find out because this passage is so long. I can't cover the second half. So let's review. Sorry to leave you on a cliffhanger, but I'm not. It's, It's going to be fun next week. Number one, don't let discouragement derail you from your destiny. Think about the guy that spent 37 years in prison and he kept singing. Number two, stay connected to Christian community, even when you don't always fit in. Let me ask you a question. Has God called you to fit in? Don't be conformed to the world, but be what? Transform. You don't have to fit in. Just do do your best to love people. Number three, keep on declaring God's goodness even when trials and trouble await you. Paul didn't throw a pity party. They kicked me out of the last town and you don't know what my life's been like. No, Paul kept going. It's okay to see. So I encourage counseling. I encourage healing. I encourage taking breaks, but don't stay out of it. Keep going. Number four, don't be surprised when your good news is challenged with what? Bad news. Paul, many Jews have gotten saved. They're following the law, but, oh, okay. Number five, be willing to meet people where they are so you can lead them to where God wants them to be. Paul related to the Jewish Christians, even though he wasn't under the Old Testament ceremonial laws. Number six, expect the unexpected to happen when you're doing God's work in a fallen world. And next week, we're going to find out more. So let's summarize this into one sentence. You're like, we've covered so much scripture. What is the big idea? How many of you are ready for the big idea? I'm ready for it. Let's throw it up. Let's say it together. Knowing that God fully understands me gives me peace in a world that often misunderstands me. So if you are misunderstood or in the future people are going to misunderstand you, as long as you know that God fully gets you, it doesn't matter who doesn't get you. Amen? That should bring you peace. All right, three action steps and then you guys are going to get out early for lunchtime and you can... Think the, the church down the road that's going to go to 1230. Number one, seek to understand before seeking to be what? Understood. I stole that from a book somewhere along the way, but it's applicable to hear that, you know, when you're, when you're talking to people, it's good to hear what they're really saying. And sometimes repeating back to them what they said, did you really mean this? That helps. All right, second, seek to become better and more clearly in your communication and thoughts with others. To be unclear as to what? be unloving how many of you have ever said something to a friend and the message they got is not what you said at all how many of you husbands your wife get on you for your tone like are you upset i'm like no i'm not upset your tone how many of you men struggle with tone mike you got to raise your hand <laughs> all right so work on that because that, that's important all right and finally 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 last point seek to have better relational skills well how do i do that number one is listen God has given you how many ears and how many mouths you have. So what if we'd spent more time listening than talking? That's hard for me. So we listen, we learn, and then we can love them right where they're at. So next week, I encourage you to come back. We start a new series on Let's Change the World, and we pick up in part two of the story. Let's pray. Father, what an exciting passage. Like Paul gets caught up into all this drama and He's doing something good by bringing an offering to the poor. And yet, in his doing good, people trying to kill him. He's more than misunderstood, Lord. He is being abused. And Father, I know there's people here today and those listening online that a lot of their lives they have been misunderstood. They've been misunderstood by their parents. They've been misunderstood by their brothers and sisters, by by the school system, by, by people at work, by their spouse. And life has just been one huge misunderstanding. And Father, I pray today that you would give them peace. I pray today that you would give them comfort, that they would know that you understand them, that you get them even when others don't. And if you're here today, no one looking around and you're a believer and you've been hurt by people in the past due to misunderstandings, just tell God he knows. Where you've allowed this to grow into bitterness and unforgiveness, just tell God that you're sorry that today you want to make steps towards forgiving those who have hurt you due to misunderstandings. As the believers pray, every week we give chance if you've never accepted Jesus, to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you're a seeker, that you're coming just to check this, this whole Christianity thing out, out. And you've never given your life to Jesus. I just want to tell you this, that there's no one who understands you more than Jesus And the greatest thing you could do is to surrender your life, the totality of you, to Jesus. He's the only one who truly gets you. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting today, just to say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, just go ahead and tell him, Lord Jesus, I realize I need to give my life to you. I do believe that you died for my sins. I do believe you rose the third day. And Jesus, I want to give my life to you. And I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Thank you that you're the only one who understands me. Today, I want to follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Father, thank you so much for hearing our prayers. We love you. We give you thanks. And all of God's children said, Amen.